Hello and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast with Seth and Overready. This is Stephen Robles, and we have another great set of interviews for you from when Seth and Nerva were at the National Religious Broadcasters Conference. In this week's episode, they actually got to interview Robert Vandermotten, a family friend of all of us, and he leads tours to Israel. He's been to Israel over 150 times. Incredible stories that he has there, and he's going to tell us why he believes all Christians should travel there. That's the first interview. And then the second, Seth and Nerva sit down with Christian music artist Erskine, and they talk about his ministry, his experience, and some of the projects that he has coming up now. So both those interviews are coming up very soon. And before we jump into those, we do just want to mention our wonderful sponsor, Impact 360. You know, I've heard from so many parents recently that their teenagers, high school students, and college students are struggling with their faith. They're encountering questions of culture, teachers, peer pressure, and they're not sure how to answer these tough questions related to Christianity or how to wrestle with the doubt that they're encountering in their schools and colleges. You know, Generation Z, born between 1999 and 2015, they're really the first post-Christian generation. For that generation, the word atheist is not a dirty word. Truth is relative, and it's harder than ever to confidently answer the biggest questions of life. So many parents are wondering, how do we prepare our children for the questions they're going to be encountering? And how do I give them a biblical foundation for truth as they head off into high school and college? Impact 360 Institute has some life-changing experiences to help the next generation grow in their faith, and have a solid foundation of Christianity. They have a holistic learning philosophy where students engage with the tough questions of faith and life with trusted advisors, people like J.P. Moreland, Frank Turek, John Stone Street, and so many more. They are grounded in biblical community and can apply what they are learning by living out their faith locally and globally through servant leadership. If you have a student or know someone, maybe a friend or family member who is maybe struggling with their faith, or maybe they're great and they're firm in their faith, but they could really use some preparation as they're heading off to college, Impact 360 has some incredible experiences just for them. You can learn about their nine-month gap year called Fellows Program, which would happen between high school and college. They have one- and two-week summer experiences for high schoolers, and they even have a graduate program. So learn about all those programs at impact360.org. That's impact the number 360.org, and you can learn all about those programs. There are limited spots left for the 2020 and 2021 class, so we encourage you to start the application process right away. And here's what's great. For free mind listeners, just for you, Impact 360 is going to waive the application fee. When you fill out the application for any of these programs, just use the promo code FREEMIND, all one word, and it will waive the application fee. So check it out, impact360.org, and use the promo code FREEMIND. And now here's Seth Nerva from the National Religious Broadcasters Conference. All right, y'all. So got something really special here from Noseworthy Travel straight out of L-Town, Polk County. Our good friend, one of our best friends in the world, Robert Vandermont. We've been rolling with him for many years. You might have heard me talk about him um, past podcasts where uh, in my in my little uh awesome church in many ways in Lakeland uh one of the one of our weaknesses a bit uh anti-intellectual at times uh suspicion of thinking deeply but sometimes just not knowing what to say how to help people with that but this was the one guy who used to pass me some good books and give me some good wisdom in my journey but I, I caught him here today at the NRB 2020 conference and I wanted to ask him a little bit about Israel 
and he travels there, does does guide tour guides all the time. And if you're interested, y'all need to connect with Noseworthy. But Robert, it's so good to be able to chat with you here today. So glad to get to do this quick interview. Seth, it was great to stumble on you and Nerva. You know, I didn't know you guys were here, so it was it was a blessing to see you over there t- doing your thing. Yeah, it was quite an unexpected treat. We were actually doing a video, and he crept up on us uh, uh, over there by the river. So. <laughs> So anyways, what I just want to do a quick uh, kind of run and gun here. You know, give us a quick, like, when you guys connect with churches, why, why, what's the value in Christians traveling over there? Well, remember, God told the nation of Israel, the, the, the males of the nation of Israel, to come back three times a year to worship him in that spot. And there's a reason for it. That is the epicenter of the Bible right there. So, like, for instance, NRB. We're standing here in the, in the exhibition hall. You know it. We're here. And I could describe this to you, and I could say what the carpet looks like, what the lights look like, all the different booths that are out here, the different people. But until you're here, then you understand what I'm talking about. It's the same way with Israel. I can say to you, Sea of Galilee, and I can say to you, Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives, Megiddo, Caesarea Maritima. Now, to you, those are terms. And you can look at a picture, and you might be able to see a little bit about what they look like. But for me, it's a slideshow, Seth. I have it in my mind what those places are because we have a historical faith. So we can still go to the land of the Bible. We can still see the settings of where these events, these actual historical events took place. And then we can visualize how they happened and we can better understand the word and how it was constructed. So it's extremely valuable. It's an investment in the rest of your life. For people to go there, it's an investment in the rest of their life because they will be able then to use this as experience to build on what they do when they're studying the Word of God. Wow, that's yeah, I think that's pretty pretty good response there because I know growing up reading the Bible, you think like you're looking at it, it can almost feel like a comic book or just like something, yeah, like mythological and just like another religious kind of Greek myth or something. But when you actually go there, you're like, oh, wow, this stuff, this was historical and it's it really puts like feet to what you read in the Bible. So when you, you go back to it and you read it again, it's you read it through new lenses. So it's not like going over there will make you more spiritual in a straightforward sense of like, I'm better now, uh, I'm a better Christian. But what it does, like kind of as a byproduct, you're saying it really helps you in your faith to, to see these things like in your mind's eye. And, and it really does bolster your faith and give you kind of like a, a realistic viewpoint of the Bible. So it does have the impact of affecting you and helping you to maybe have a, a walk with the Lord that's a, a little more engaged with the historical element of the faith. Seth, you're a great teacher in apologetics. And with, with people who need that information, once they have it, it elevates their confidence level in sharing their faith because they have another layer of, of understanding that they didn't have before. It's the same thing here. You go to Israel, you see the Bible, you see the land of the Bible, you experience the places. There really is a Mount Moriah. There really is a Mount of Olives. There's a real Sea of Galilee. And people then who go have a increased confidence level when they come back home, knowing the events that are, that are documented in the Word of God have a setting. They actually took place. They can visualize where he walked, where he went, how this all took place. So from a confidence level, man, it just, it, it's, it's an extremely important trip. I tell people, you can be a great warrior never having been to the land of the Bible for the Lord. You can be a great warrior for the Lord. But I don't think a person can reach their full potential of understanding God's Word 
without having been to the land of the Bible because it gives that person another layer of understanding that they didn't have before. Man, that's so good. You know, many people are probably hearing this and they're like, man, every time I look at Israel in the news, though, it looks like some bombs going off or it's about to go off or something. You know, so people are often like scared to go over. Is that like, give us a realistic view of, is it, is it safe to go over there? And then how has it been on your last, when was your last trip? How was it? How's it feeling over there right now? Last trip I went was the end of last year. I'm going again in March. We have hundreds and hundreds of people over there right now. All of them are having a good time, an enjoyable trip. There's no nothing that has changed as far as their itinerary. Uh, I've been there, Seth, I think 155 times. I've never had to put on a bulletproof vest. <laughs> you know, it's funny because people will go there, and the perception is so off because I've seen some people at the airport with family members draped over their shoulders, weeping convulsively, thinking this is a one-way trip and they're ever coming back. <laughs> and then they get there and then they're calling us, are you okay, are you okay? And they'll say, why, what's the matter? I saw something on the news and it's looking like it's a overload. are you all right? And they're sleeping, you know, they're, what are you talking about? We don't see anything here. It's one of the most safest places you can go. Honestly, one of the most safest places you can go in anywhere in the world. One time. There was, a, there was a time there a few years ago, I think, where there was some stabbings. Three people got stabbed, I think. Three people. So this is in the news, you know. Three people got stabbed. And so pastors are going, hey, we're stabbing. I said, yeah, three people. Yeah, three people. Yeah, three people got stabbed in a whole country. Yeah, yeah. Three people in the entire country. And this is worldwide national news, international news. <laughs> you can't you imagine how many in a major city in the United States in one night. <laughs> so it's so convoluted, you know. It, it and tragically, some of that it steals people's dreams. They, they, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord has put it in their heart to go. They want to go. They're excited about going. Family members, uh, whatever you know, news media, they'll, they'll throw something out there and. And it puts fear into the heart of the people and they don't go. And that's a real, real tragedy because it's just not like the, like the news media would portray it. And thankfully, many, many, many people are going right now. Record numbers of people are going now. Last year alone, over 4 million people went to the land of the Bible and more are slated to go now. So, Wow. That's amazing. So you're telling me they got fake news over there too? Unbelievable. <laughs> it's people from this country that are going over there that are fake newsing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Get it straight. So did they talk to you much about their sense of politics in America? How, you know, I know we've, they've moved the embassy to Jerusalem and, and there seems to be, at least from our perspective, like better relations in the past four years. Does that, is that the same story that's being told over there with guys from people from there that you're meeting and what is that like can you give us a little bit of insight on that relationship generally speaking the people over there think trump is the greatest thing that ever happened okay they really respect him the president they really thank him for acknowledging that jerusalem is the capital of the nation of israel and that we are now acknowledging that fact by putting our embassy in the city of Jerusalem. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the relationship right now between Israel and the United States has been one of the better relationships we've had for many, many years. But look, I mean, our country goes all the way back to Harry Truman. And, and if Harry wouldn't have done what he did and said, you know, buck stops here, 
and we're going to support this. And we helped establish the nation of Israel as a nation, and we should never walk away from that commitment. We can, we can disagree with Israel, and we can uh, maybe try to advise Israel, and we, but we never ever should put ourselves in an adversarial relationship against Israel. Because according to the Word of God, you do that, and you are in dire jeopardy of confronting the creator of the universe who promised that land to the nation of Israel and to the Jewish people. Yeah, and, and I think that's a that's a that's a good point. And you know, for some Christians, they might even struggle. And it's a whole. I won't go into the deep theology of replacement theology and all that. As I'm digging into this stuff, I do. I, I think you're right that there still is something that God has to do with the physical descendants of Abraham. That's important, and somehow it's playing into His like end time purposes, and it all matters. Can you give us just a kind of an on the ground short? I don't. I don't even know what you'd say to this, but like a. A short story or a short, like uh, a brief grounds eye view of how you have seen like the fact that, man, there is something still special that God's doing in Israel. And it's not just this overly zealous um, Zionistic misunderstanding of the Bible that, that Christians have. But there actually is a purpose that God has there and that he's doing something unique and special and that it is tied somehow to political Israel, the national Israel and where that's headed in kind of God's story, his, his kingdom purpose in 2020 and beyond. Well, the word of God says in one day should a nation be established. And that's what happened in 1948. There hadn't been an Israel for almost 2,000 years. Suddenly, in one day, this country of Israel is reestablished again, and it's surrounded by enemies, all of which want it to be destroyed, and yet it survived. And not only has it survived, Seth, it's thriving. If you go there, you see a nation that's vibrant, that has a, a great social system, that has an outstanding economy, that is militarily very strong, and very well established. And you can't have end time prophecy that talks about an Israel if you don't have an Israel. So since 1948, that has happened. We now have a nation of Israel. And so anything that is talking about as far as end time can now continually move forward. There's a place, I'll, I'll give you one example. Uh, Isaiah 35, I think it talks about there's in the Arava, in the wilderness, there's going to be a place where pool, uh, pool, river, excuse me, pool, reed, rushes, grass is going to be established. And this is supposedly a, a millennial prophecy. Okay, south of the Dead Sea, there's a place called Sapper Park. If you want to, anybody who's listening, if you want to go to the website, type in Sapper Park, S-A-P-P-I-R, and you will see in the Arava where there has not been water for since the days of Lot. Suddenly, now, there's so much underground water there that it is forcing its way up. And it's not being fed from a river or anything else. And there's a pool there, reeds, rushes, grass, exactly like the prophet said. And if that's going on now, and if that is a millennial prophecy, then what in the world, how close are we to the second coming of the Lord if there's this prophetic posturing going on in the nation of Israel, preparing the way for the Messiah to come back to that country? I mean, this is just one example of, of many that you could go through and show that there's something spiritual that is going on that is beyond any explanation other than the creator of the universe having his hand on that place. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I actually just saw – I remember you saying that a long time ago. So just for you guys listening, you know, we have we have touched on, like, the various views of eschatology, everything from premillennialism to amillennialism to postmillennialism. And I said I'm a pan-millennialist. Every, in the end, everything will pan out. But, no, I, I do lean toward pre, and, I, and I'm, I try to study these things and look into them. Brother Robert used to have one of those maps going around his whole house at the end-time <laughs> events that I always make fun of. Um, no, but he, the, he – <laughs> and he still does green screen now though green screen map but no he does uh he does study this stuff in depth and i always try to try to understand what's going on and look at it and i saw one of those come across my uh, social media where they were talking about that very area and stuff was growing and i remember when you used to refer to that uh back in the day so i was like man that is pretty cool i know when i went to israel there was just a it's in the air. Like you can feel so much like here. I feel like secularism is in the air. You have to, and religion is kind of like, you have to keep your mind intentionally focused on it there. It's like religions in the air, but it's just like, which religion, but I know they have their secular side as well. But would you say Christianity in Israel right now, do you sense any shift lately? Is it growing? Is it kind of the same? Are they in a, in a rut? Like, how would you describe that? That's hard to say. I don't live there, so I don't know the you know the, the the feel of it. There's certainly opposition, but also there seems to be an openness to hear us out. I think that if we stick with the word, and if we show the the people, listen, this is the prophecies. I had one guy one time. Uh, I was talking to him about uh, Daniel chapter 9, 25 and 26, and it happened to be a Jewish guide, and I was addressing a group that was over there. From the time of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That's 69 total weeks, sabbatical cycles, each day representing a year. So in Artaxerxes I in 458 BCE, he was the one that established this, this decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And so you count it. You count the 400 and 83 years and you land right on the time when John the Baptist is behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So, so the guy looks at me and says, I'm going to check with my rabbi on that. I said, great, please do. So six months later, I'm there with a different group and I happen to see him in this location. He walks up to me and he said, you remember that conversation we had? I said, yeah. He said, I checked with my rabbi. You're right. It's sabbatical cycles. I said, okay. All right. So he said, well, we can't say that Daniel wasn't a prophet because that would be bad. <laughs> I said, yeah, that would be real bad. So then I go like my my gesturing right now is my hands going out saying, okay, so what's, uh, what is your conclusion? Well, we've been disappointed too many times. That's what he said, which is a cop-out answer. If you follow the scriptures and you follow the biblical breadcrumbs, of what God did in prophecy and how he showed who Messiah would be and all of the different things that this Messiah, whoever it is, had to fulfill, you're not going to be disappointed. So show them the scripture. It's right there. Show them what God said about this person that was coming. Show them the, the what God said was going to be his purpose. You know, Show him what Abram was promised, that in his seed all the Jewish people would be blessed not just the Jewish people, all the nations, even me, even a goy, even somebody like me could get saved because of the seed and what he would do for us there at, uh, at Calvary. Now, that's really interesting. I, I'm, I'm noticing even here in the U.S., this 
kind of an unlikely coalition of people that are standing up against the, the anti-God movement in this nation are often like sometimes Orthodox Jews with Christians, Reformed Jews with Christians, like Dennis Prager and Ben Shapiro, these guys that are standing up for biblical principles, and even Christians are listening to them, and they're listening to Christians. And I don't know that I've ever seen, at least in my lifetime, this kind of deep connection that's happening. So, you know, it's interesting to me, and, and just hearing from you about what's going on out there is really interesting. So we'll see what happens. You know. We have, an, we have somewhat of an advantage, Seth, because we're created in the image and likeness of God. So people can, can proclaim there isn't a God. People can talk about there isn't a God. People can counter and, go and be an antagonist against God. But there's still this spirit that's in us that is created in the image and likeness of God. So there's something in there that says, no, this just doesn't feel right. This just doesn't click. This doesn't connect. There's got to be more. And that's where we can share the good news of what the Lord did for us at Calvary and that we can have salvation through him. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you, Brother Van Vandermont, for uh, spending this time with us. And we'll uh, come back to you for a more in-depth interview in the future. <laughs> it was an honor. Thanks. So y'all in for something real special today. We got a Pass the Mic episode going on with our boy Erskine up in the house. Uh, rolling here deep at this NRB conference. And if y'all don't know about Erskine, y'all going to know about him today. Y'all need to know about him. So we're real excited to have him here today on the Pass the Mic. Pass the Mic. Come on. So I'm pulling up these. Uh, so I think I'm going to let you, babe, uh, do a little interviewing. If you, if you don't mind, I'm going to let you uh, quarterback this. Oh shucks! Yay! We like he said. We're excited to be with Erskine, our buddy, our friend, talented, anointed brother. So listen, you get to travel, and for those that don't know, he's an artist traveling. I mean, he goes all over the world ministering. But every time I talk to him, he's on his way somewhere. So you get to travel, whether it be a small town or a big place. Um, you get to travel and you see a lot. You go to schools, you go to different ministries, you go all over. What have you seen God kind of, be, you see, he's up, God is up to certain things that you are super excited about. Share with us about that. Say hello to the audience and uh, just thank you guys so much for having me on the show today and being a part of this. I think one of those things that God is doing that uh, he's opened up, obviously, is me making it to this show. And so I uh, started at the bottom, now I'm here. And I'm excited to be a part of this. But no, as you were saying, just traveling around and seeing God do things in a lot of different locations. A lot of times, you know, because we're, we tend to be so local, we tend to get fixated on what God is doing, particularly in one place. And that's not bad. I, you know, I love the consistency of that. But when you're able to kind of travel around and see what God is doing in many different places, like currently speaking, I just got a text on my phone. There's a revival that's going on in eastern Tennessee like an actual, genuine, authentic revival. People are coming forward, repenting of sin, trusting Christ, preaching, spontaneous. It's been going on for about four or five weeks now in Rogersville, uh, Tennessee. And so you hear things like that. My buddy John Avan, who's with Life Action, he travels around all the time. He's you know seeing revivals begin to spring up different places. And a lot of what you guys sang today was that heart of revival. And when you begin to see those type of things break out, and you begin to see ministries that are characterized by this anticipation of what God is doing. It takes on a different sense. A lot of times when we're in a local church, we don't see that kind of movement of God. We pray for it and we ask the Lord to send it. But when you begin to seeing that in certain places begin to break out, that really is something that you get excited about to take back to other people and to begin to say the prayers that we have been praying have been answered and are being answered. 
Uh, I, so I get a chance to see things like that from time to time. But also just being aware of the fact that a lot of what people see and hear because of headlines and because of the way that media is used are the bigger events, you know, the flyover tours that are doing, uh, that people are doing. And a lot of times the places that are in between, which is primarily where I go, those places don't get highlighted as much. You know, I just came back uh, before this conference started from Oklahoma and we had about 120 kids or so that were a part of a Disciple Now weekend and, and uh, just seeing them grow in their faith and seeing some of them make first time commitments for Christ. We treasure things like that. It's all good. That's so good. One thing you said that sticks out is like the prayers that we are praying are being answered. And that's so huge because when we look at the headlines that if, and if social media is your big diet, then you'll get you you just go into despair and you're like, man, is is God around? Is he doing things? The enemy's advancing, but you're seeing revival and you're seeing the kingdom. Okay, so talk to me about your music and your ministry and how is God using your music in his kingdom and how is how do you see God using the gift that he's giving you in the parts of these revivals? Sure, and so that, thank you for that question. I really think that maybe the music is a tool that God is using. Well, I know that the music is a, is a tool that God is using, but I think that maybe the way that God has sort of crafted me, I've not been one that likes to jump on bandwagons. I'm kind of the anti-bandwagon guy. And so if I see everybody heading in one direction, I'm like, I wonder what's in the other direction. And it's not just because I don't want to be on the bandwagon. It's just like if, if everybody's over there, but there's still people over here, what about the people who are still over here? And so I've just kind of had a ministry where I go to small places, smaller places, and see God do big things, characterize my ministry. And it's really kind of crafted my mindset because I've not been in a position where I've been able to attach to anybody's label or anybody's other thing. And so my team that you know the Lord has put around me that I'm fortunate to work with and privileged to work with has always had the perspective of, well, let's build our own thing. And so I have people all the time asking me, how do you book so many shows? How are you always doing different things? And I'm like, 98% of the stuff that we do did not exist before we called and started planning and, and, and talking to people about what the possibilities were. And so it's really one of those ministries that kind of comes from the ground up. There's really no way to duplicate or tell people, hey, if you just call this person, then all of these things are going to be set in motion for you. I have hundreds of somebodies that I call and just say, hey, what's God doing? How can God use the music? Is there some way for me to serve? Um, and it might be a song and it might turn into a concert. And so it's just one of those things where, you know, we want to hold, we want to plan for the future and prepare for big things with a sense of anticipation, but we want to hold our plans lightly. Like on Saturday and a few days, I, I get a chance to leave for a tour to Texas Love is the reason this will be the third year that I've done this tour with one of my friends from Michigan, Joe Guerra. And a lot of the things that we thought we were going to be doing on this tour, they got scheduled over or unplanned or things just kind of fell through the cracks. But, you know, I was telling my friend the other day, there are certain people that I'm going to now call that I would not have called had those things, you know, been in place. And so that's opening up new possibilities of things that we get an opportunity to do. And so that's really a lot of Erskine music. It's, you know, it's the grind. It's the uh, I enjoy the journey. I mean, I don't know what the destination is. Ultimately, that's heaven for us. But I enjoy the journey of just daily, you know, meeting people and seeing what God is doing. And yeah, that's that's been exciting. On the subject of Erskine and his music, I listened through your CD and it's so, I mean, I'm, I don't want to butcher the, the, the adjectives, but it's just, I just be, immediately begin to groove and I begin to think fresh, fun style that, like you said, you're, you go to the small places and, and you, you're kind of like, 
you're not anti big move, but you you just kind of carve out your own path as a forerunner. So how do you describe your style of music for those who may not have heard of your style? First of all, this CD is called Love Moves, and y'all need to go out and get it. Listen to some fun, fresh cool version but my jam is king of the mountain i kind of got stuck on that one but you might uh let's hear what how do you describe your style yeah i tell people that i do erskine music because i write pop country hip-hop r&b ballad soul edm now and kids music so that's (laughs) that's a lot of what it is that we do and i tell people it's like the weather um, if you don't like one song then just you know change the song and you'll probably fall into something that you like and what I appreciate about the project is there's something for seemingly everyone here. You know, I'm looking through the album titles right now, and Only Love was inspired by a quote by Martin Luther King that says, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And so the first song, Only Love, is an attempt at just expressing that. Plug in the children's song, This Little Light of Mine, and that really has a just a, a dynamic concert effect and a really unifying theme there. The song Frustration that's on there, I think it sounds like Jimi Hendrix, but maybe I'm giving myself too much credit on that. Just, you know, getting back to the heart of what it means to just trust the Lord. You know, we're frustrated about so many things in this world and the things that we're frustrated about, we can't change. (laughs) It's not like we're going to go and make a phone call and then everything in our government's going to be fixed. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved in politics and that that's not important. But at the same time, for us to be so frustrated about what our politicians are doing or not doing when we've got King Jesus on the throne is just, you know, a centering rallying point for me. And then life matters. Your life matters. My life matters. We can come together if we love one another. You know, we look at all the chaos in this world and, you know, why is, why is it so chaotic? I mean, we, we need to get back to the whole idea of basic human dignity and what that means in the scope of life. And then grace made the first move. I mean, that's just, that's gospel. That's gospel centered right there. It's like, we didn't come to God like, Hey God, you know, we got everything cleaned up. And so we got our credentials ready. You know, once you go ahead and stamp this, no, it was God who came and found us in our mess. And that song is a blessing. King of the mountain that you said you enjoyed. I love it. See, I love it when people just, you know, they don't go with the rest of the pack. You went with King of the mountain. And I'm like, man, this is a sneaky good song. I don't know why more people are not on this song, but yeah, so I opportunity to do that. And it's kind of a rap rock kind of thing that's going on there. And then the song What's Up, I wrote for my wife. And so that's that's a beautiful uh, thing that kind of commem- commemorates our love. And then the song Better Day, I wrote that with a worship pastor in Oklahoma. And, you know, we were just thinking about what is what does heaven look like? What does that look like in the midst of chaos, in the midst of pain and discouragement that we face every day in our lives and recognizing, you know, sometimes we can't fix our health. Sometimes we can't fix our financial situation fully and finally, but there's coming a better day when we're in the presence of Jesus and when we're with Jesus. And so the whole album just is laced with, you know, this whole idea of love and making sure that that gets to the people through the music. Just real quick, you know, a few times we've run into Erskine and um, we might not have been in a, 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 the mountaintop uh, of the journey in our lives, but Erskine has just been such a dear friend. And, and I just remember you, you don't, you not only minister on the road, but you embody everything you just spoke about through your songs. And thank you for the times you spoke life to us. And we just come with a, a message of hope when we really, really needed it. So we, we just love you for that. Yeah, I would say that for sure. I remember that when we met with him, had coffee in Lakeland, and then we walked. Yeah, we left out, and he was out there doing street ministry with some dude on the corner. I was like, "Well, go ahead, bro, do it." But no, I love that, and I, and I love. I, w- I want to ask you a couple questions about the traveling and stuff. But you know, one of your song titles, "Life Matters," 
we had, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy named Ryan Bomberger, but we've had him on the podcast a couple of times. You, you should check out stuff on uh, Radiance Foundation, but he's a, um, an African-American dude that was, uh, he said he's the 1% that everybody uses to justify abortion. His mom was raped and she decided to keep him. And now he, you know, God has really used him in the space of pro-life. And he does a lot of statistics. Um, I mean, this guy knows this, his stuff. And he's been to Harvard. He's been Wheaton College and shouted down in all those places, unfortunately, for bringing truth. But he talks about how much the abortion has affected the black community in particular and how even Planned Parenthood was rooted in, um, you know, uh, escaping my mind. Yeah, eugenics. Thank you. Uh, how it was rooted in that Margaret Sanger's ideas and how part of her, you know, purifying human beings was to, to rid and, and this is odd. You'll find this hilarious, but, uh, he got, he, he got sued by the NAACP because he exposed their connection with Planned Parenthood and he won like miraculously. He thought they were, I mean, they were coming after this dude, man, they were going to take everything he had and he won. Um, but anyways, he he ends our new album coming out with a with a song called "Life Has Purpose." Well, it's a it's spoken word. It says "Life Has Purpose," and it reminded me of what you're saying there. Life matters, and you know, right now there's a whole lot of battles going back and forth about the language. You know, you have the Black Lives Matter movement, which you know has some truth to it, and according to Ryan, it has some problems as well with some stuff they've partnered with ideologically and some um, organizations. But you know, you often sometimes people get mad and they're like, "No, no, no, all life matters," and blue life matter and we're in this fight but i think um what i heard you just pointing to is is what martin luther king said you know he said no human life is special and all human life matters we are one blood you know one race the human race can you maybe maybe speak a little bit more into that and and how you because i know you go to colleges and all that kind of stuff as well when you get the opportunity to talk about the value of human life what do you typically talk about in those scenarios Thank you for that. And, and, you know, us being at the NRB this week, there's a lot of films that are coming out that strike that theme. And so I'm excited. Ben Watson has got a project that's coming out called The, uh, the Divided Hearts of America. I watched the screening of that last night and uh, he it was great. And he, he stood up and he spoke. I think they're still making some editing. So it was kind of a scissor reel. He really got up and he spoke about the nature of how that is impacting the black community and how the largest form of racial injustice that's going on in our country is abortion and just hearing him say that and, and strike some of those themes i was like yes we're on the the front foregrounds of that and really the movement of protecting life at every stage and in every place i love the language there and a lot of what i get a chance to do at least on college campuses i'm not getting shouted down because that's not the platform that i come in as i'm, I'm kind of sneaking sneaking some things and hopefully this podcast doesn't expose me or anything like that <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm there, and when I, I'm able to strike those themes, you know, just the basic, we're making a strong theological statement when we say that life matters and that we say that there's special dignity in human life. People need to hear that. You know, you look at the, I would say it's almost epidemic a level of suicides that are being committed, the young people and some of the chaotic situations that they find themselves in to the point where they feel like they need to take their lives. You know, it goes back to this whole idea of the value of human life. Why are we a special creation of God? And who is God in the midst of all this? And what is God doing with our lives? Why were we created? And, and a lot of times that tension point becomes, 
when we are not living our life to the fullest extent, that abundant life that Jesus has talked about in John 10, 10, then we begin to despair. And then we begin to heap idols upon ourselves. And we know that that's broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And so when we begin to replace that with truth and we begin to replace that with life, and then we begin to instill hope in people's lives, then there's encouragement that can come into people's lives and movement and direction and forward momentum. And so I try to keep the songs fun. Um, You can get into a ditch, obviously, if you get into the heavy politicization of the issue, or even sometimes in those settings, if you jump into the theological grind of that too heavy, music is a great middle ground because it invites people to come to the middle and then you can communicate a message outward from there. No, I think it's good. One of one guy we listen to it, it talks about how to impact culture a lot is Lance Wall now and he talks about ninja sheep. <laughs> and uh, you know exactly there are spaces and places where people have to, you know, keep certain cards kind of, you know, tucked away until the right time. You have to use wisdom and there are other people that are kind of called to that in your face ministry and we all support each other. And um, you know, I'm thinking that exactly what you said, man. Music can be such a powerful subversive force um to kind of undermine people's presuppositions that they might not even be aware that you're coming against and i think there's a there's a book by oz guinness called fool's talk he says there's two different types of fools there's there's the real fool but then there's the fool that plays the part of a fool to subvert something that's that's a common viewpoint and i think you know there's there's a sense in which we do that as christians we we you know, we go in and we, we might do this and that, but we are kind of subtly bringing in the idea that life matters, making them think about their thinking. And it's like, you know, C.S. Lewis used to say, we, we often will sit on the branch we're cutting off. And that's what we've done in our society without realizing it. Like we want to, we want to act like human life still matters, but we don't, we no longer have a reason to suppose that human life matters and that we're any different than a dog or a pig or a flea. But just the fact that you're highlighting that message and, and doing it in a way like that helps them rethink it. So that's that's exciting, man. We're we're excited to have you on, man, and just want to end with, like, what's what's next for Erskine? What you got coming up? How can people connect with you? Just give us all that. Sure. Thank you for that. I um, have a tour that's coming up. It starts on Saturday. Love is the Reason Tour. And we have an artist that's coming down from Michigan. Joe Guerra is his name. And this is the third year that we've toured together. Uh, just a tremendous artist and just love his heart. He's kind of a Midwest rocker, meets schizophrenic, you know, soul, R&B, blues, hip-hoppy guy. And so the tours have been a lot of fun. It's meant a lot to see, uh, you know, this diversity represented on stage, but then the unity of our message uh, when we communicate that in our various ways. And so that's a fun thing that's coming up. And then uh, I'm going to be doing some stuff out in Utah, get back for like a day, and then I'm flying out to Utah spend some time in that area. I think uh, that's going to be an important time of just being in the marketplace of ideas. You know, I've been invited to a place where, you know, Christianity is kind of one one view among other views that are out there. And I want to try to make a case through some of the music and interactions that the story that we're telling is a superior story, if I can say it that way. And then we've got a project that's coming up that's been recorded. It's in uh, final mixes now. That's a song called Is He Worth It? And uh, it really is a song that speaks to the heart of the resurrection but if you guys have ever if you guys have never read excuse me the book the insanity of god you definitely should check that book out because this comes directly from the author who sat in the the co-writing room with myself and matt papa and learned laura erlinson and we wrote this song called is he worth it and uh it's a tremendous song that just asks us to consider 
if Jesus asks us to give everything, including our lives, for the sake of the gospel, is he worth it? And it just kind of, you know, I'm wearing the bracelet right now. Is Jesus worth it? And in all of our life and in all of our ministry, I think it should be characterized by us saying, yes, Jesus is worth it. And, you know, we're going to, in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Um, we are going to experience difficulty. And for those of us who are on the front lines advancing the gospel in various ways, you're going to experience more difficulties and you're going to be okay with that. <laughs> you really are because Jesus is worth it. We look at all that he has done for us and uh, the talent that he's given us. We need to make a return upon that investment. And so those are some exciting things that are coming forward. We look to release that somewhere around Easter and uh, that'll be a big song uh, to hopefully serve the persecuted church as well as invite other Christians into understanding the fact that, you know, the grind of our lives and uh, sometimes the grittiness of living on this side of glory is worth it. Uh, so good, man. And I love the the unity and diversity from a true biblical perspective and the, you know, all the, all the things you're saying, man, just, you could tell there's a rich, deep um, undercurrent uh, feeding though, like a spring feeding through those things. And, you know, next time we get together, I, I want you to, tell the listeners because you know they they often think you know living this artist life is it's light and smoking light and catering and, and good food and we gonna have real talk next time because i know you, you know one of the things that you can encourage not just artists but anybody that's you know taking that making that endeavor as a you know a business person stepping out and starting something new you know just yeah, yeah the reality of that and because i know man you've been at this thing for a long time and give it maybe you'll give us a short preview of what we can go more in depth in the future yeah, so, and I, I failed to mention, but I, I do want to mention it now. We're on the verge of, we've got all the lawyers in place, all the legal documents in place, starting a record label called Respark Music. And so on that entrepreneurial tip, just very mindful of the fact that we want to help other artists. You know, we've been able to blaze a trail and we've been blessed to be able to do the things that we are able to do. But we also want to make a space available for others to come and join and to be, to launch their ministries as well. And I'll just say that simply from the standpoint that I think a lot of, um, what we're able to, to to advance upon and what we're able to do is, in terms of a record label is us finding ways to encourage other artists. And we really want to be mindful of, of how to do that. Respark Music is keen to do that. We're, we're prepped to do that and prepared to do that and excited to do that. But when you were talking about that Real Talk thing, I actually had a guy that's preparing some classes for me who was preparing the classes that I'm teaching on what it means to be an independent artist. And he listened to, because he was preparing my classes, he listened to it and he said, I used to think that I wanted to be an artist that toured around and did what you do. And listening to you teach about what it is that you do caused me to realize I'm good where I'm at. <laughs> because a lot of people don't, they don't understand what that looks like. So we'll come back some other time and we'll do real talk. Well, thanks, Erskine. Thanks so much, Erskine. You're such a blessing. Thanks for all you do. God bless your future travels and ministry and your creativity and all your business endeavors. We just love you and appreciate you. Thanks for taking time for us today. If you'd like to learn more about traveling to Israel, we encourage you to go to noseworthytravel.com. You can find a link to that in show notes. And we'll also link to Erskine's music, and you can listen to it there on Apple Music, Spotify, and wherever you get your music. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, comments, topics you'd like to hear on future episodes. You can tweet at us, comment on Instagram, at FreeMindFM, both of those places. And you can go to our Facebook page, FreeMindPodcastFM. And you can even email us, podcast at FreeMind.FM. 
And we'd also appreciate if you left us a five-star rating and comment in Apple Podcasts. This helps us get discovered by those looking for this kind of information. So go ahead and go to Apple Podcasts, five-star rating with a comment. And we're glad you joined us this week. Can't wait to catch you again next time.